Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Cultured Nerd Podcast. This week, obviously with the writer strike and everything happening and the well of news drying up, we're going to do exactly what we told you're going to do. We're going to start talking about other things that we love. So this week, we're going to talk about 10 of the best anime that we love that you should be watching. And we're going to talk about these shows one by one uh, in no particular order. We're not going to say this is the number one, this is number 10. We're just going to start talking about them. Um, and full disclosure, we're probably going to go into more than 10, but we have 10 main ones and we have a handful of honorable mentions and a handful of prerequisites, things that you should have already seen. And if you haven't seen, you got to go watch it now. But before we jump in, I uh, just want to say thank you for tuning in and we will start the jam right now. So, um, funny enough, as we've uh, been talking on our shows the last month month or so, when we started talking, like, hey, we're probably just going to do another one of those uh, uh, show you my stuff episodes. Um, ever since we make those jokes, um, I'm still getting DMs saying, hey, when are you going to do the show your stuff episode? <laughs> so, the joke is that now I don't think we're going to just do a whole episode. I think we're just going to, like, wrap it into, like, a little segment of every episode. We're going to show off some random thing that I own. <laughs> Sure, and, you got it. Uh, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. So what I'm going to do before we begin, uh, because the internet is, uh, because the, the platform is a little fickle sometimes, I'm just going to actually put up a second camera and uh, you guys can watch me walk to the thing that I'm going to describe to you. <laughs> sure. Oh, um, I love this. I love this man on the street, Taylor. Look at us with multiple cams. So uh, first off, uh, let's talk a little bit about all right, that should work. That should work. More boxes in the closet. Haven't even got to that stuff yet. Oh, so the stuff in the closet, that is, let me flip my camera around because this thing is stupid. Um, let's go front camera. Let's go back to uh, back camera. There we go. So I just got a bunch of random crap in my thing and a bunch of stuff in the closet. Uh, I think uh, People who love the stuff under see the uh, the NECA Ninja Turtle stuff and some Beast Wars and all that fun jazz. Sure. Um, my lightsaber collection, right off the bat, I got a bunch of those. Um, my McFarlane DC toys. Uh, so these are all ones I have boxed up. Uh, I have the Zack Snyder's Justice League wave on top with multiple versions of the variants because I like the variants. My my big wall of Funkos. My Gundam stuff, more Funkos. And then the new stuff, uh, my new Gundams that I've been... Wow. Look at Those that. my new Gundams. Look at that shelf. And then I got my big toys on the top. My manga, my comic books, my manga's down over there behind the Batman belt. But the big thing, my favorite toy that I just got the other day, you can probably see it in the background. Your Magneto helmet. helmet. Yeah, so that way uh, it, it looks amazing. I think I'm just going to like do the show with this thing on. It looks amazing. It makes you look very menacing. Are you ever worried it's going to poke your eyes? Yes. Every damn time I put it on. It, it looks so <laughs> close to your eyes. It is. And it's like it's, it's very close to the rest of my face. It's a, if I if you were to approach me on the street with that on, I would be scared of you. I would be like, "Why are you wearing that helmet?" Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, it's really rad. And Hasbro did an amazing job. It's their X Men '97 helmet that they did. So it's it's plastic. It was a hundred bucks. It was pretty cool. But they even have details on the inside of it to give it this like cybernetic cerebro thing to it. And I'm like, "Oh, Hasbro, why did you do that? That's so cool." Has he ever put other powers in the helmet? The helmet's just to negate Charles. Yeah, pretty much. And when Charles is gone off world, he doesn't wear it. Like that's the that's always the fun thing about the show is the comics or whatever. When he's like, Xavier's dead, the helmet's gone. Like he just he doesn't use it unless there's a psychic present. Uh something we did not bring up in our pre-show, but at Comic-Con they talked about it. The X-Men 97 show is 
very quickly approaching. Not a Japanese anime, of course, but it'll no. be in the animated realm. What have you heard? Um, they are jumping in post uh, the final season of the last show, of the original show. Um, so in that show, Professor X had to leave Earth because of, I can't remember, some some condition he was having that Lilandra and the, the Shi'ar had to fix. Um, so the Shi'ar and Lilandra and Professor X are all going to be present within the show, but not from like the main plot for, for going forward. Um, I do understand that the leader of the X-Men is now Magneto, and he's not uh, not wearing the helmet. He's got his like purple and black Magneto robes with a big M on them. Um, he is uh, helping the team kind of deal with Professor X's loss and also honoring the legacy of Professor X by not being a dick and being a good guy from here on out. And um, from my understanding, I think it was uh, Madeline Pryor. I think that's the villain. Uh, she's going to be a major villain in this season. Who's Madeline Pryor? Madeline Pryor. She is that. Is that who it is? Yes, it is. Madeline Pryor is. Um, let me see if I can find some. Uh, she she hooked up with Cyclops a lot in the comics. I remember that she she kind of looks like everybody hooks up with Cyclops in the comic yeah. books. He's a li- he gets lonely. His wife turned into a firebird. Okay, uh, she goes by the pseudonym the Goblin Queen. Goblin um, she, Queen. Yeah, no, but like, let me find a photo picture of her so I can just pull it up so people can understand. Um, she is one of those characters that you're just like, what? Okay. Um, is she a magic user? Yes. Mm. And she like, but she's also mutant. Okay. She's well, they're they're all they're all mutants. There we go. That's that's a. This is a picture that's worth sharing. (laughs) There's a lot of clicks in there, so I know it's coming. Hot dog. Wow. She's a she looks like a bad guy though. Scott didn't he always hooks up with these women with full open fronts. Why does he never Yeah, Yeah, so uh, Madeline Pryor is essentially like what if uh, Jean Grey and White and Emma Frost were like the same person, essentially. Like I've always felt like that's what they designed from. They're like, what what how can we top this? Mm. So they just did that. Um, she is, let me pull up some details on her. Um, obviously the Goblin Queen is a big pseudonym. Um, I think she was also part of uh, the Hellfire Club a few times. Of course she was. Scott Summers loves dating the Hellfire Club members. Oh, yes. Okay, so here it is. She is actually a clone of Jean Grey that's been manipulated into something worse than Jean Grey. So okay. she so has used- Jean Grey's telekinesis, but she also has the ability of reality warping, kind of like Scarlet Witch. Got it. Uh, that's a great, fun, evil, psychic sorcerer to add to that universe. What a big thing for the X-Men to have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, is Jean Grey gone? No, she's still in it. But Mr. Sinister was a big player in the original series. So the idea that he's still doing his shit is still present. So like... Obviously, now we're going to have Cyclops and Jean Grey dealing with a fairly matured clone of Jean Grey that's even more powerful because she uh, also has Scarlet Witch's powers and can also become a suitable host for the Phoenix Force. Uh, I know Bishop is joining the team, and so is Morph. Does Morph have more abilities other than the shape-shifting? You know, I didn't think Morph was coming back, but if he is, cool. Um, Yeah, he's coming back with Greyface. He's coming back not as... Oh, nice. From the co- more accurate to the comic books, right? Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I haven't heard a lot. Um, I know that they, they brought back most of the voice actors who they could, they're trying to do as much as they can. The animation style is going to be closer to the season one stuff than the season four stuff, um, because they did change animations near the end of the show and it looked really clean and weird. Um, but um, I've been trying to keep as much away from it as I can because I, I, I want to be surprised because I, I love that original show so. It was such a defining show. I mean, I feel like there are so many shows. And one of the things about being younger and trying to like these shows, especially the shows that we're about to talk about, was it was very difficult to get a hold of these things. Or it was something that you would have to space out over a whole year. You would buy one DVD that came out, and by the end of the year, you would have the whole show. Taylor, what box sets did you do that with? Oh my god! So I remember we did that specifically with Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, when the DVDs would come out, each DVD only had two or three episodes on it at a time. 
and they were like 30 bucks a dvd and it was like being an anime fan was very expensive in the late 90s early 2000s it was like either you were i don't know i think limewire and morpheus and all those those apps really made anime accessible for a lot of people very quickly but up until that point up until like the dawn of piracy it was like you would go down to suncoast video and spend a ton of money on a vhs or a brand new dvd so um before we jump in like i said before we want to talk about some of the animes that we're not going to talk about today but things that people should be watching anyways um neon genesis evangelion is a big one um and when you jump into that one, you have to watch it in the order that it was presented to you. So the first series, then Death and Rebirth, then End of Ava, then the Rebuild 4 movies. Because they all are told in a, in a timeline for a reason. Even and if it feels like it's all retelling itself again and again and again. Yeah. And that theme is going to come up in another one of our shows that we're going to talk yeah. about. But you need to understand... Part of that telling the story over is part of the story. Yes. It, you, these creators, you get to see them make different decisions at different times or really reflect on characters' reactions. And it changes the shows very drastically. That's the one thing about Evangelion that I always loved was that, so when we first watched it, we watched the show, we saw the ending, it was fantastic. But spoilers for an anime that's almost 30 years old at this point. Um, the first season ends with a choice to either make a new reality or to restart reality and go back to where it was. He chooses to go back to the way it was. Then you insert death and rebirth, which is another summary, which then leads into a new version of the ending of the show, which is a completely different ending. Same similar choice happens, then goes into the rebuild saga, which is the four movies that they came out with. But that one, that's where you see the most changes that this is this. This is the third iteration the third timeline, sort of. I mean, there's Taylor, a lot more timelines. Taylor, but, I didn't. Re I didn't realize that. Yeah, and I then when was, you, I knew it was related. So the end of Ava. Then when is you watch the rebuild, yeah, the rebuild goes with like here's the main timeline. The first movie is almost a cut scene for scene of the first few episodes, with a couple changes. The second movie shit gets weird. Third movie complete departure, and fourth movie is like here's been twenty years of this madness because. Things went haywire two movies ago. And it's and it also, absolutely insane. And it's so funny when you talk about it like that. We won't get into it here because I want other people to watch it. But it's so funny the inventions of the show for Sinji's personality to come out. You know, for a long time it was just Ray and Asuka. And it's like, okay, well, where do we channel this into? And now we get to see what that next manifestation is. Like, how yeah. do we make this story finally come complete? Yeah, and... um it's been the final movie that they came out with the, uh, the uh, and even Galen 3.0 plus 1.0, you cannot redo or whatever. I think it was the name of the last one. Sure. Um, Cause they, they did all those weird numbers, but there's a reason behind it. If you watch the whole franchise and look at it, you're like, okay, I see why they named them this way. I see why they did this. Um, they finally gave a conclusive ending, the, the proper perfect ending at the end of that movie. And it was like, okay, I just spent 25 years invested in the show and that was a fantastic ending so it it does it does pay off very well but it's also like even more revelations you were not expecting from the original show were in like the latter half of that movie so the original show spends a lot of time with the mechanics of the robots and the robots are very cool i feel like all the other later stuff it's like we don't need to talk about the cool shit anymore we can just do cool stuff with it Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but so that's one show that we also say. Um, on obviously some of the honorable mentions is anything from the Dragon Ball saga. It is huge. Everyone knows it's huge. We don't need to tread that territory because everyone loves it and you love it for a reason. Um, the Full Metal Alchemist movie, uh, the shows. I mean, you've got Full Metal Alchemist and then the midway point of that show where it teeters off into its own timeline, its own canon, and then the the secondary show, the Brotherhood where it's kind of a faithful adaptation of the manga. So you have one show that ends, ends off with Nazis and crazy stuff in Germany, and then the other show, which is like, no, we're just going to stick with the bad guy trying to absorb God and become God. That <laughs> first incarnation of Fullmetal Alchemist is crazy town. It's so yeah. all over the place. But the animation is gorgeous, and they really double down on the darkness of the show. 
where Brotherhood also is there, but the revelations happen at different speeds. There's more good yeah. people in that one. So when Brotherhood came out, they realized that because the other shows told the same story halfway through, that they didn't want to retread the, the same thing as long. So you can quite literally watch the original show up until like episode 13 and then transition into Brotherhood and not miss a beat. Because the second in Brotherhood, they just like, they sped up and skipped over a lot of it because they're like, oh, we told this, we told this, we told this. Here's here's the summary. Here's the summary. Okay, now we're telling our story. So the mm. show slows down and really tells its story after the point where both shows initially branch off. Right. Um, another big one, uh, Cowboy Bebop. If you've not seen Cowboy Bebop, you need to watch it. It's a classic for a reason. Everyone loves it for a reason. Um. I mean, anything that was played on the early 90s, early 2000s, I mean, late 90s, early 2000s, Toonami was all pretty fair game. Like, the Tenchi franchise was always fantastic. I rewatched it recently. It still holds up. It's still pretty great. It was um, so curated. You know, I feel like as a kid, it felt like whatever they could get. But in reflecting on it, they really did bring stuff over that, like, introduced much bigger. Yeah, but, like, Tenchi also, like had all the like every season was a little bit different right one was a little bit yeah. more space wars one was a little bit more harem one was a little bit more like down to earth problems like they all had a fun flavor well that was always what was funny about that show in particular is because that show was a series of ovas that they turned into shows because mm. they're like okay here's a here's a five episode ova but let's break this up into a a secondary in-between show that we're going to do and they, they did a lot of that stuff, but they just sort of displaying the OVAs as if they, as if they were seasons. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but no, I mean, any of those shows, fantastic. Uh, Attack on Titans, another big one. We're not talking about that one today because um, that one has had – that's a show where you have one season come out, two years of a break. One season come out, two years of a break. Yeah, I'm waiting for now, that show to come out so I can finish talking about it. But it's, yeah. nowhere, it's nowhere near to talk about it. There's too much. Um, it's definitely uh, – if you've read the manga, you know where it's headed, and it's definitely fantastic. But if you haven't read the manga and you've just been painstakingly watching it, um, the payoff is great. But the fact that they've taken what what did they say the final seasons part one, two, three, four like they've they've turned the final season into like five seasons at this point. They just need to do it. It is the Game of Thrones of anime. I, I it's it, I never know when it's happening. It comes out and I'm so happy, and then it goes away, and you're like it's over, and you're like nope, more is coming. All right, so <clears throat> now that we've done some of those honorable mentions right off the bat, let's talk about the picks that we had of shows that people can watch right now. We'll tell them where they can watch it and why they should be watching it. Now, so everybody knows that this episode was brought on to a, for a lot of reasons, one of which is Taylor has given me his login to Crunchyroll. Many of these things are going to be found there. We're not necessarily, we, we have no deal with them, but the fact that you can get all of these places in one spot and it doesn't, you do not have to pirate it. You can support these creators to make more of this. Yeah. If you can, it is a great way to watch these things. 100%. So first off, this is a show that's on, uh, not not only just on Crunchyroll, but it's also on Hulu. Trigun Stampede. Now, this was initially one of those shows where a lot of people were kind of taken back by the idea that they were not only rebooting Trigun, but they were going to be doing it in a way that it was all CGI. So the whole animation style is this weird CG show um, done by uh, Studio Orange, which... Um, is a fantastic studio, but they've also, uh, they did like the Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. They did those old Zoids shows. Um, they were known more recently because of some of their episodes in, um, well, they did Go uh, Godzilla Singular Point, that big one on Netflix, uh, the Beasters show, that was theirs as well. And they did that short film on uh, the Star Wars Visions. I so, love Zoids was a really fun show that they yeah. every season they changed up the main story. So it was difficult to follow sometimes, but like the Zoids combat was always really solid. I didn't know that they've been able to evolve into what they're doing today. Yep. They reimagine these characters in such a great way that you really do feel like you are in a wonderful western science fiction world with like a little bit of elements of the old west but like a lot of elements of like blade runner and stuff like that yeah you can just see what it's drawing from and they do such a great job 
I think the show, the original show was so ambitious, but I don't know if they knew how to get its ideas across because of shows like Westworld and because of uh, shows like Battlestar Galactica. This show very easily knows how to tell its story and does such a great job of reintegrating the audience into its yeah. tale of Vash the Stampede. So this show, um, from my understanding, I know that the, uh, the Toho producer... Um, Katsuhiro Taikai was the one who wanted them to to push forward and make a new dragon. It was due to be done because it first came out in the late 90s back when we were in middle school and it was a huge thing at the time but it was um, it it kind of existed separately kind of like how the, the Full Metal Alchemist show was where you had the manga which told certain aspects of the story that weren't in the show and the show did certain things that weren't in the manga and uh, fast forward like 20 years later they basically were like what if we redo trigun but we do it knowing what we're doing from the start let's rearrange some of the story let's rearrange some of the details and what if we also honor both and do it in a way that's going to be fresh for fans but also very faithful for fans and this show uh, started off with a brand new design for the main character gave him a, a fresh coat of paint um brand new crazy looking arm different coat all that stuff but they kept the characterizations of all these characters exactly the same. And one thing that was the original show was that it was, oh, it was a Western. He's being hunted. It was kind of like a villain of the week kind of a show. And then about the second half of, near the end, it's like, oh, by the way, let's let's funnel in this deep story. And then like by the last three episodes, then you get all these details about what Vash is, who he is, all this stuff about his brother and all that jazz. Yeah. This show starts with it in the first five minutes. And yeah. they're like, let's just get right into the weird. Does it the the original show have a whole arc where he has to fight 12 villains? Oh, yeah. And they've already started in this show. Yeah. Yeah. They've just already in the show and there's a number and they, sh you know, when it's relevant, we find out what they are. Yeah. The gung-ho guns. Um, they, uh, they, near the end of that show, they started naming them off. This show, they're like, by the way, here they all are. Here's the, here's Zazzy the Beast. Here's, here's this one. <laughs> like he starts throwing them all in. And you're like, oh, okay, this is this is different. Um, and then they have some really cool Easter eggs near the end of the season that leads into presumably a season two. Um, but it's not, it has been confirmed that they are working on more. But Studio Orange is one of those companies that will take their time. And they, they are such a small company that they literally said, we have to finish Beasters and we will finish that and then go back to Trigun. And then go back to like they're they're basically jumping from one show to the other, and that's how they're doing it. So yeah, the, the 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 Dune elements of the show, I think they want to explore more, which is all the like new stuff. But I am yeah. excited for them to do it. I'll wait. I'll wait. I would like them to continue telling it. You know, we got that Vash the Stampede movie a couple years ago, and it's good. And it looks good, but it reminds me of like, oh, here's all the regular problems that that show has. I love that we've reinvented it and we have new care the way new characterizations of all of these things it flows really well it does and it, it's honestly it's a fantastic show um i had a couple gripes with it in the beginning just because of some weird things that they did in the first episode but then they quickly went away from it very fast so not yeah. a huge issue for me um you can check it out both on hulu and on crunchyroll in both english and in its original japanese the english dub did maintain johnny young bosch as the voice of Vash the Stampede. I did not. And, I might need to go watch it in English then. I didn't know that yeah. that's that's great. That's a really big deal. So, uh, everyone who doesn't know that name right off the bat, he was the second Black Power Ranger, the, the, the Asian Black Power Ranger that existed in that show. In the movie, he said, but I'm a frog. I'm a frog. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. So he played Vash the Stampede beautifully in the first show. And they got him back for this new show. And he it's, it's like he never left. It's the wow. exact same character. It's fantastic. Um, so next show is something that Michael keeps pestering me to watch. Near Autotomata. Autotomata. I, I say that wrong a thousand times. Michael, it's, go ahead. It's very difficult to say. I always mess it up as well. So earlier on when we were talking about Ava, we were talking about how the whole show is canon, if you will. Every version of it is another telling of the story. Well... This is the same thing with the Nera series. Over multiple video games, over multiple incarnations, um, the developer, uh, the, the creator of this, he wears a big moon on his head. He's a crazy man. He writes plays. He does uh, special soundtracks and novels. 
He has said every bit of it. It's all canon. So in watching this show, it is also canon story. And as you play these stories over the video games or find the on YouTube, the, the stage plays reenacted. That was the first time we found out that their bandanas were actually futurized uh, visors and not just wearing them because they look like emo kids. Uh, it's a really fun dark world. It plays with so many fun science fiction elements. Uh, 2B right there on the left, she is your, your hot Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you will, as we see her make choices as androids are now trying to protect the Earth the Earthlings are on the other side of the moon because the Earth itself has been taken over by robots that were brought there yeah. by aliens. Okay, so to give it a little bit of backstory, the show and the game is set in the year 11945. Uh, Earth has now been completely abandoned by humanity because there was an alien invasion that essentially took over all uh, machines on the planet. And then just went rampant and humans are like, okay, nope. And then just left. But so you now know the, the humans... truth about that game, you have to play the Nair game that came out before this game. Yeah. Yeah. There's a near auto, automata, automata, whatever. Oh my God. I was going to keep messing it up. It's that technically it's a sequel slash reboot, but it's still a sequel. So you have to watch, you have to play the original game to understand how that all went down. But um, you have nine B, uh, wait, no, two B and nine S the two main characters right here. Uh, they are interchangeable. So their bodies die, they're down, their brains get downloaded and stuck into new shells of the same body and they go and do another mission. So every episode that they die, they're back the 10 minutes later because they've been downloaded and start again. So it's very much in the video game fashion. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's super weird, but it's uh, it's one of those shows that if you can understand it, if you can follow it, go for it because you're going to have a lot of fun. And if the if you enjoy the show... Go play the game. It is so fun. There's a lot of there's a lot of RPGs and stuff. This is not an RPG. It is an action game through and through, but it tells its story so wonderful, and you just get so enveloped in the world. The anime is a fun romp back into it. So if you're into yeah. robots, science fiction, uh, nature of reality, uh, uh, life existential crisis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ghost in the machine, if you will. Where? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Check out the Nair show. Yep. Uh, next one. This is one that I have been hounding Michael to watch forever, and I've gushed about incessantly on social media. It is called Summertime Rendering. Now, this was a show that was absolutely like a. It, it came out of nowhere for me, and it was one of those shows that Disney picked up they, mm. but they picked it up under the hulu brand and put it on hulu as a hulu original now this show uh it's in both japanese and english on hulu it is tvma for a reason it is dark but the main character right there in the middle the heterochromia thing going on with his eyes he gets a call from somebody uh, it's kind of the setup that he gets a call that his best friend the blonde girl next to him has died she was mysteriously drowned and he's going back home for the first time in years after leaving his home because uh, he went to go do college in the mainland in Tokyo and this little island that they all live on, um, he hasn't been to since. She dies. He goes back home. And then he gets told uh, kind of this, this rumor or this old uh, like kind of this old legend of the island that the island has what's called a shadow sickness where people will randomly find their doppelgangers and the doppelganger would then kill the person and replace them. Kind of like scanners uh body snatchers kind of a thing um as the show goes on as the first episode goes on one of the the copies finds them kills their original and then shoots him in the head he dies and wakes up the same day with all the memories of that what just happened and then he quickly realizes that the reason why his other eye is a different color is because it's not his eye and that the eye is allowing him to travel back in time to redo this until he gets it right but every time he goes back, he loses time. So first time he jumps back, he's on the boat on the boat on the way to the island. Second time he jumps back, he's 10 minutes after that part, and then so on and so forth. So as the course of the show goes, they start to realize if we can stop this from happening, we have to stop it properly. Otherwise, every time I die and reset this, we lose time. Taylor, it reminds me of Twin Peaks. It reminds me of Memento. It reminds me of... Um... 
uh, uh, the obviously uh, Groundhog's Day, but like <laughs> right, wait, right, with the Groundhog's Day element of it as well, but like not in a funny way. What a fun, no, it was like a supernatural a alien show. murder monster. Yeah. yeah, it's it is it is creepy. It is super good. It teeters the line of horror anime a few times. Sure, um, but I I watched it. I got sucked into it. I I went I went nuts watching this thing. I finished the whole series in like two or three days. Um, and the ending is legitimately satisfying. It's one of those endings where you're like, oh, th- th- that's it. That sucks. And then like they're like, another episode is coming. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> I feel like one of the evolutions of the horror genre has been more into the realm of action. There's always been horror anime, but I feel like I don't remember a lot of it being in the world of action. And now they go hand in hand together really well. So to hear another example of that, it's like, okay, I can get into that. Well, the best part about it is people, like, when you see the, the show, you say, okay, that lady over there with the glasses has a hammer. This guy has a nail gun. Why aren't they just using guns? Uh, kind of a bit of a spoiler, but when they find out what the, the monsters are, the shadows are, they find out that the bodies are not, or the bodies are technically the shadow, and the shadow is the actual monster. So they use a nail gun to stick them to the ground so they can't get away. Wow. And it's, like, the most ingenious. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> super fun. Super dark. Okay. Super what else do we show? have on our list? Next, though, goes without saying, Demon Slayer. This is one of those shows that has kind of taken the world by storm, for, and for good reason. It is a fantastic anime about just kind of like this hyper-centralized version of samurai-era Japan. And kind of in the stereotypical sense where these samurais can like do amazing things that are not totally impossible, but because they've honed their bodies so well, they can do them. Very stereotypical anime-ish, but... The big thing about this anime is that the villains are demons. And these demons are kind of more akin to what most people can see in the Western culture as vampires than actual demons. Um, Because these demons have uh, powers with the fact that the older you are, the stronger you are, the more you've consumed, the stronger you are. And it's not so much the stereotypical American version of demon, but kind of more akin to what we consider vampires. I've never... I've never thought about them as vampires, but they totally are, right? They're all vain. Yeah. They're all pretty. They all, like, are into these things. They can't go out in the sunlight. They, they yeah, die there's... in the sun, and they need to consume human flesh and human blood, or they can't survive it. It's Japanese version of demons is closer to what we consider vampires than what we consider demons than to what they consider demons. So that's the best way that I've always explained it to people is that Apparently, some vampire like six thousand years ago was terrorizing Japan, and that's their version of a demon. Sure. So, sure. but this is that show that's just absolutely fantastic, and it escalates all the time. And when you don't, and I will, I will argue some of the prettiest animation that I've seen on any show has has come out of this show in recent years, for sure. And I'm just talking about regular episodes. Look, dynamite. Um, yeah. The movies also look amazing. And unlike a show like Dragon Ball, where you know it used to be very difficult to go pay more money to see a standalone story, everything in this show is also canon. When you yeah. finish season one and watch the movie, it's li- I mean, now they've broken it up and you can watch it as a series. Yeah, they, they made it into a season on its own. Right. But if you watch that, it's just the next chapter in the story. So it's the yeah. one tale that really intertwines itself. And makes reference to itself on screen. Yeah. And and other shows have done this too. Like Dragon Ball Super has done this where uh, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection of F, Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods were so acclaimed that they turned those into the first two seasons of Dragon Ball Super. And they they broke up, they broke up that two-hour movie into like nine episodes. And that's what this show is done too. And they also wanted to make the animation look better, right? So they did a movie version of it. Like yeah. they wanted to make it look like it's an actual piece of entertainment. It's so good, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but Demon Slayer is it's it's literally everywhere now. I mean, you can watch Demon Slayer on Netflix. You can watch it on, I think you can watch it on Hulu as well. You can watch it on Crunchyroll and on Funimation. It's it's everywhere. It's... Everyone has the rights to this thing. I feel like the show is very self-aware. There's a character on the show that is very polarizing because of how irritating they are. I feel like they are off the show now for that reason. Uh, I think they know what the audience wants. I think that they are aware of these things. Um, The progression of the characters is done very well. There are high stakes. You are emotionally attached to them. Um, It's it does a lot of things right and for a sword show, it's one of the better it's one of the better samurai shows out there. 
what what was interesting about this show was that this was the best-selling manga that came out in 2019 through 2020. They finished the show. They finished it. They they already know where they're going. And as you mentioned, the the, the annoying character, the annoying character was brought in specifically for that time to set them up so that when you see that character again in presumably the next season, you'll be like, okay, now I see where they grew into and now they're awesome. But they did that for a reason. Like they, they introduced an annoying character to then pay off later and be like, this is a great character. And they've and, done a, they've done a great job with that. And that's the other thing. Everybody in the show does really cool stuff. They so even cool. the, it's all done really well. They play with the tropes of it. We see high stakes and another show that just casually just has amazing animation every other episode. To, and, and to kind of put it into like kind of perspective, right? Um, if you look at the the highest grossing anime franchises of all time obviously pokemon is number one because of what pokemon is dragon ball z is number is up in there because of what it is this show is actually within the two years that it was doing its thing it has set an estimated revenue of about nine billion dollars as and is now considered one of the highest grossing animes ever because of they, out of nowhere they just, just Taylor, shook the world by storm they did they did they designed everything the chibi stuff, the the hyper the hyper sexualized stuff, the like cute stuff, like it just they have one of everything, and it just it's very well done. It's a really fun. It's, it's one of the more fun roller coasters to be on. It's funny because it reminded me a lot when I first saw it. it like you said, it's a very stereotypical. They they have the checklist and they have all the boxes checked. Um, there was a show that we watched, Outlaw Star, when we were younger, which had the exact same thing: checklist, Han Solo character dweeby teenager uh young girl cat girl like you had the checklist <laughs> sure right and this show has that checklist but it is a shonen manga right so that's what they're you kind of go into it knowing but they did this in a very organic very wonderful way and the animation was actually done um it was brought in by aniplex which was known for some fantastic work in their in their tenure of doing literally everything like i mean their they, names on everything they they work all the time they do and if you've seen aniplex anywhere you'll know exactly oh that's one of theirs uh they did like black butler they did uh full metal alchemist they've done the persona franchise the the movies uh they did the adaptations of personas three personas four personas five um i don't know i'm trying to i'm drawing a blank on all the things that they've done Great animation. Um, so super Chris, super they're, good. They're really good at what they do. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a fantastic show. If you've not seen it yet, you should watch it. Simple as that. Um, next one is one of yours because we're going to bring this up now because you can talk for hours about it. And I'm going to make sure that you don't. Okay, everybody, strap in and strap down because we got to talk about it. So I feel like One Piece gets negatively Back in the early 2000s, a little movie called Pirates of the Caribbean came out and pirate fever hit. I don't think people remember when the vampire craze came and the zombie craze. Me and Taylor lived through pirate phase and all of this pirate stuff came out. And one of those things I think was One Piece. And I think it sometimes gets a bad rap. Now, the picture Taylor has on the screen is much, much later in the show. And even the stuff that's going to be happening on Netflix soon is just the beginning arcs. But the story really pays off. It's a, first and foremost, a really funny show. The characters always will go for the joke. There's always time for jokes in the show, which is one of the things I found delightful in falling in love with them. Also, everyone is just so cool. Over time, we see them learn new abilities. Each time we find another member to the crew. As we go along, each arc of the show is each different island, and we see them tackle the challenges that come their way. Um, the show is very far along now, but really fun stuff is happening. And while some of the early part of the show, I don't know, there's some good drawn, there's some well-drawn stuff, but there's some janky stuff as well. There's a time skip in the middle that changes the art style. I'm letting you know the art that's happening right now is fantastic. Uh, they really know how to make these characters. They've really buffed their powers over time. It's a long thing to get into, but 
I feel like it pays off. It's such a great camaraderie show. Uh, if you like high seas adventures, if you like magic, if you like really silly scenarios, if you like dope, dope scenes of just people doing absurdly overpowered things, that's why you should watch One Piece. To put it in perspective, One Piece as the manga started in 1997, right? Wow. It actually predates all of the, the stuff that... Um, Michael brought up a, that was started America's Pirate Fever. This was already Japan's Pirate Fever, right? The anime the anime started in 1999 in Japan, and when it finally came to America, um, it kind of just there it is. But it is currently still going, and with it, One Piece has a current list of 106 volumes of manga, and that's yeah. a lot for any manga. Like I have no idea how lot. much that is. Um, it is currently sitting on 1,070 episodes. It is also at six OVAs, 14 TV specials, and 15 movies. There's lots of different ways to get in it. There's a lot of content on YouTube, people talking about it. If you get lost, if you're looking for something to get into and watch a really fun, silly anime world unravel, check out One Piece. Yeah, and if the Netflix version comes out and it's decent and people like it, I would definitely say go back to the source material because the source material is always way better. It just has to be better than Cal. I have such low expectations that if they do, if they can get some fun combat in there and these characters feel like just part of the show, I'm totally down to support it. Yeah. All right, so let's transition off this one because Michael could do a whole episode off of One Piece where he just goes into nuts on it. This is one that we have talked about a lot, and it's going to be one of the ones that I'm just going to bring up. I'm going to say it's say my piece, and then we're going to move on. Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Uh, the Gundam franchise has been going on since the 70s. It is absolutely fantastic. This new show consists of two seasons, and that's it. The season two wrapped up. It finished the show. It ended on an amazing note, and... That's it. The show is over. Just sit down and watch it. It's like 23, 24 episodes, something along that line. It is just an absolute roller coaster of a show. It's wonderful to finally see a female heroine in the seat of Gundam and watching the female perspective deal with all of the life and death situations that are associated with a Gundam. There's such great design. There's really fun storytelling. The show starts off real easy, but like a roller coaster, once you get to the top of the hill, that's when you start. That's when the descent starts to hit. So, yeah, the moment you feel safe, the moment you think, oh, this is going to be fine, someone gets shot in the head and you're like, oh, this is dark. And it, it gets darker. It, it just keeps getting darker. Yeah. Even to win the finale, when you're like, Oh my God! Is that it? Oh, are we done? Can I stop stressing? Because it, it's a roller coaster. Do you think we'll get a movie? Just... You think we'll get a movie no, based it... on this? This is how I know you haven't finished it yet. No, they're not oh, doing anything. Oh no, Taylor! Time. I haven't finished it yet. Don't say that. Just finish it. It is okay. It is insane how they end the show, but it's okay. it's not like Iron Blooded Orphans where everything dies and everything's sad. But this is this is good. It's gonna be sad. I know. Okay, I'll be it's I'll sad. be sad. It, That's it, okay. It's, it's really good. Okay. It's really good. All right. So transitioning off my my love of the giant robot franchise, as you all can see from my Gundams and my, my Gundams, like um, I wanted to make that as short as possible because if you you haven't heard me gush about it yet, then you've not been paying attention. But I'm always talking about <laughs> sure. Um, next one kind of goes without saying. Japan's X Men show, uh, My Hero Academia. It is Japan's X Men show. I know that we say that, and you don't understand. You got to watch it. It just hits so many of the team dynamics. They really explore all of these different characters. We see the world deal with the rise and fall of Superman and what is it like to live in the shadow of that. We also see kids being put into extraordinary situations, pushing themselves to their limits. Our main character, a Christ allegory, if I've ever seen one, Taylor. He is dying for people's sins left and right. He just wants, he hurts himself all the time. Yeah. So to kind of put it in perspective, so in the, the world of My Hero Academia, this is a version of the world where 80% of the human population has what's called a quirk, right? It's essentially, like the X-Men, a mutation. But unlike in the X-Men, where it's like 20% are mutants, 80% are humans, it's the opposite, where there is more mutants in this world than there are actual people the main character uh is born human he's normal he doesn't have a quirk he doesn't get a quirk he is 
that's it and he's really depressed he's like oh i'm not going to get a power but i'm going to still try my best i'm going to be the best i can be and he's he's adamant about being even if he's normal even if he's quirkless he's adamant about being just as good as his idol hero uh, all might um one day he steps in does something that's completely out of character for pretty much anyone without a quirk all might sees him and says i'm going to take you on a ride and i'm going to give you my powers and he tells him that his power the power of all might is a a blessing that has been given from one user to another and he says because you don't have a quirk i think you can handle this and he gives him all of these powers and these powers um, start off as one or two little things but as the the show and the manga goes on he realizes that he's also inherited the quirks of everyone who came before so he starts getting like this arsenal and it's absolutely insane as it goes on but in the first story arc in the first couple in the first season it's too much for his body to handle so when he uses his power he snaps his arm and his arm goes ragdoll and it's all shattered like yeah it's, it's insane because he's like the power is too strong for his physical body so he has to work at it and work at it and then by the time he's in where you're at now he's got scars up and down his arms he's got all this like wear and tear on his body and he's like let's do this let's fight his costume was always kind of a goofy costume they have now turned his costume into a dope costume <laughs> all they did it, was make him into a batman guy and it totally makes sense yeah it was goofy until it wasn't right. <laughs> and that was one of those things it was like, goofy until he put like, a scarf oh. on yeah so like to kind of put it in perspective let me find his uh let me get a picture of his costume <laughs> right um there's in the very beginning he makes this like little it's like this bunny thing that he's doing this little bunny motif um where he's i, I don't want cosplay i just want to see a picture um <laughs> don't yeah be careful with your google history which you type what costumes are you looking for i'm just typed i typed in deku costume and it's like do you mean cosplay no i don't mean cosplay just show they, me his costume. you might mean cosplay you should check that out what are they doing all right so yeah uh he here we go. Here's a here's a picture of Deku in like season two, right? So he's got this little like muzzle mask thing that he wears and this like green outfit. And he's got this hood that comes over that has like this, like these eyes and like these bunny ears essentially. And we're like, why is he wearing this? This is silly, right? And then it goes down. Like shit hits the fan, the world falls apart, everything in between. It's just insane. And then he goes full Punisher. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Where, yeah and I, that's the best way to put it. He goes like full Punisher and is like, I'm going to do everything on my own, and um, the world is not is not going to handle it. And he, um, let me find a good picture because every time I'm finding a good picture, it's trial by fire, man. Once he, once yeah. he, once that, once that arc happens, it's like, man, it's him versus the world. And when he goes into that arc and he goes like full punisher he throws like he goes nuts <laughs> like ah. he's still it's still the same costume but they're right. like now let's add a yellow scarf let's tatter the crap out of the costume and let's watch him attack people from the shadows like batman <laughs> we can't even i don't even want to talk about it because the bigger implications of the show is i don't know who's going to make it out of this show i don't know what the finalness of this world looks like yet because the stakes are i've flipped from good and good is winning bad is winning good is winning it fluctuates so much but yeah. and and it's like when we say bad is winning when bad starts winning they start winning yeah and they but start they, winning hard but they play with it and, so well and yeah. it, they really take its time they flush out everyone is really fun even people with weird talents like oh you make tape out of your arms they all get really cool stuff and just like yeah. x-men that has x-men you're like what is your power they can work inside of a team motif and everyone put you know pulls towards leading you know leading the mission to success so it's a fantastic show it's about six seasons in and based on where they're at right now i'm i'm estimating that they're going to wrap up the entire thing by season seven or season eight at the latest because they've the manga is drawing to a close and everyone knows it. The writing is on the wall and we can 100% see it happening. Um, but this is one of those shows. It's also important to know where this guy takes his inspiration from. He has said he is a huge fan of American films and American comic books and, and Spider-Man directed by Sam Raimi, Star Wars, the X-Men franchise, even Dragon Ball, Ultraman, and Kamen Rider were his main inspirations to making this manga. 
Yeah, and so, I'll let everybody know, you won't understand this until you do understand it. They turn the main character into Spider-Man. Not right away. And when I say that to you, you won't even see it coming, but that's the character that they built in this. And that's so funny you mentioned Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. So yeah, many of I mean, the arcs of that is in the show. And you can look at it like, oh, the, the hopelessly optimistic, the fact that he's always willing to put himself uh, secondary to what needs to happen. Okay, that's Spider-Man. And then you're like, oh no, now the now it's more obvious. There's more. There's more. Yeah. And there's more. And there's yeah. more. <laughs> like, he's essentially a Japanese Spider-Man with Superman powers also in him. Oh, it's so, so. great. It's really good. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, next show is one that I haven't watched yet, but Michael keeps telling me to watch. And so does everyone else in my DMs lately. Jujitsu Kaisen. It is a, a show that starts out like many of the show uh, showing uh, jump shows. Um, our main character right there, normal kid, gets brought into this world of magical sorcerers. But when I say sorcerers, I'm not talking about Harry Potter stuff. Though it does have a Harry Potter-like thing. There's a special high school where they go, where they learn these abilities. It's a really dark show. It's playing around with demon archetypes and stuff like that. Everybody's got a fun interaction with it. It is a show about beautiful boys, everybody. If you want some anime beautiful boys, they are looking right at you right now. Uh, the other thing that the show does is it really plays with its timeline. The movie after the first season takes place before our main character got there. Season two is now playing right now. We're now playing with characters that, again, before our main character, what has shaped the world? It's another show that is also just like casually, gorgeously drawn and really has high stakes. It's got fun group dynamics. There's fun horror elements to it. There's a fun Harry Potter vibe to you, if you will, in learning these things. But it's still kind of got that challenger of the week, and it's paced really well. Shout out to Adam MacArthur, the voice of that main boy in the English dub, and uh, I highly recommend this to anybody. Great battles, real fun, like a like a modern day Yu Yu Hakusho, if you will. Oh, that's a good. Okay, I'll have to watch it now. That's what you're comparing it to, Yu Yu Hakusho. I, I love that one. We loved that one a lot growing up. We rented it before it was even on Toonami when it was yeah the that movie is a blockbuster. It was so um, good. They all had that dope, so the, their one-on-one -on -one dope fights. Yeah. Um, and they even called it like the uh, Paranormal Detectives was the, the dub name of the movie. But it was right. essentially what Yu Yu Hakusho means. Right. Right. <laughs> but like um, fantastic, fantastic. So if you're, if you're basically saying Jujutsu Juj Kaisen is like the spiritual successor of Yu Yu Hakusho, I'll have to give it a go. I, um, I, think, I, think, I think when you watch it, you'll see why I said that. All right, so my next show, this is something that Michael has not watched yet, and I was not considering watching because I actually did not like the game. And I'll go into that right off the bat, just saying I wasn't a huge fan of the game. Um, but now, I actually am, because this show turned it around for me. Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Now, this was a show that actually was produced by Netflix. It's actually an American production with a Japanese company. Um, it is done by... Um, just dropped their name studio trigger studio trigger is known for this most obscenely batshit crazy animation style it's really um, good from kill a kill from um their promare movie they did about the firefighters it's all super well done yep. um i got i got really into them when i saw their their remake of uh gridman the sss.gridman that was oh, a I huge never, one for me oh i never saw that oh check it out it's weird it's on net it's on um it's on Crunchyroll. Like, give it a go. It's okay. fantastic. Because I loved Gridman. When we were kids, we called it Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad when the American dub version. Oh, but okay. Gridman got a reboot in Japan, and this was a beautiful reboot, and it was so cool. And um, yeah, I was just completely caught off guard with how good it was. And that's what got me on their their mind. Um, and then I saw their uh their random episode of Star Wars Visions, where you had like the twins and the guy yeah. was fighting on the, the X Wing. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. But when I saw that they were making an, an anime with Netflix based on the cyberpunk, but it was also going to be a prequel to Cyberpunk 2099, I gave it a go. And this show was insane. It was dark. The music was amazing. The first, the whole season, the intro song, the intro is done to Franz Ferdinand's This Fire. And it's 
the whole music it's like okay this was this this whole show is a music video to how cool that that style of punkish music was um fantastic show emotional show um don't watch it with your parents don't watch it with your kids around because there's blood there's guts there's boobies there's everything it's insane um but it is an emotional roller coaster of a show and then by halfway through the season you start feeling really bad for these characters and you know what's going to happen and then when the mm. finale hits you know it's coming so it is it is a good show but it's also like wow this world sucks and that's what made me want to revisit the game because when i went back to cyberpunk 2077 i'm like okay now i get the tone i see what they're going for okay so it really helped me appreciate that game I talked about my playthrough of the game over on the Gentleman Gaming Club over on Jesse Cox's channel. I had a terrible playthrough of that game, but I like that world. And because of that, I will check out this anime. We'll probably talk about it next have, time. I'll have to say that the main villain of the show, and this is probably going to sell you even faster. The villain of the show is voiced by none other than Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Let's go. He, Yeah, he wins. Everything he does in the show I'm like, oh my god, here we go. Okay, um, yeah. And he is creepy. He is perfect. Such a good show. So, hundred percent. That's a that's a win right there. And then lastly, our last of our ten movie ten shows um, is one that I've been harassing everybody to watch a lot. I haven't watched it yet. I know I'm going to like it when Stop I watch it. Stop what you're it. doing and watch I, it. What's I, I wrong know. with okay. you? Okay, put up the screen. It's playing everywhere. I can't believe it's playing on so many different platforms. Zom one hundred. Bucket List of the Dead. Now, this show is actually made by Viz, not the normal studios that do man like do manga, do comics. This is from Viz. And Viz Media has actually licensed it out to Hulu, Netflix, and Crunchyroll. And they simulcast on all three. So wow. if you have Hulu, Netflix, or Crunchyroll, you can watch episodes one through four right now. Now, this show, I have said it a dozen times now. This show is about... A young main character named Akira Tendo. He is 24 years old. He is an office worker of a media production company. And as the show goes on, the, the intro, the setup is he gets out of college. He's a former rugby player. He keeps saying, the jocks can show you how smart we are. We're going to make it work. And he joins this production company to make commercials and all this stuff. And he's like, this is great. This is my dream job. He gets there and he realizes that he's now working for an exploitative company. And they're making everyone work hundreds and thousands of hours of unpaid overtime. Uh, he works double, triple shifts. He goes home maybe once a week for five hours. He hates his life. Everything sucks. And he keeps fantasizing that, what if I just kill myself? What if I just I do this? What if this happens? And he keeps thinking, if I, if I quit or if I die, it'll make all my work go on to someone else. So I can't do that. So he keeps getting depressed. He keeps going back to work. Everything sucks. Then one day he wakes up, zombie apocalypse has happened. And his first mindset is, I'm free. I don't have to go to work today. And he, he describes it as life was black and white and monochrome, and now it's full of color. He is excited. He's running down the streets. Zombie hordes are chasing him, and he is laughing and screaming and happy. And everything is weird from there. The show has a unique visual style to keep it from looking gross and disgusting by having blood being painted in also in blues and pinks and yellows and greens as well as the red so it's cool it's this colorful hodgepodge of a mess and after the first episode he realizes that he needs to make a bucket list of 100 things he wants to do before he becomes a zombie because he knows it's going to happen eventually but he wants to have a fulfilling life first contrast to the other character in that picture the girl she um shizika i think is her name her she is an like an an uber survivalist so she has a list of 100 things I have to do to keep myself from becoming a zombie. So she is like, I won't eat sugar. I will do cardio. I will do this. And everything she is doing is to keep herself alive, which is the polar opposite of Akira, who's, I'm just going to go visit people. I'm going to find my friends. I'm going to say goodbye to people. I want to find their zombie forms, say my piece, and move on. I want to go back to my hometown. I want to get a motorcycle. Like He's doing his bucket list, and she's trying to survive. So it's a really fun dynamic between the two of them as the season goes on. Very cool. And it's just started playing. So it's a fun one. Everyone can hop on because I'm sure we're going to be talking about it here more. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it now so that we can talk about it with you in the future. Yeah, 100 percent. And uh, so now we're going to talk about some of our honorable mentions, things that we think people should be watching that didn't make our top 10, 
but very quickly some things that yeah some things that people need to know about right so one of the ones that i keep telling michael to watch is called tokyo revengers now this is a weird show for a lot of reasons but um it's kind of inspired by this guy's actual life minus the time travel aspect so the main the guy who wrote it is actually based it on certain aspects of his own childhood where he is a a young middle schooler, high schooler age guy who is part of a gang and talks a lot about these Japanese gang societies where you, you basically join up and you you fight and you brawl and then you basically become like the next version of the Yakuza, right? And in this show, starts off with the main character, the, the blonde one on the far right of your screen. This fella is, um, he is now in his mid-20s. He works at like a blockbuster. Life sucks for him. And then he reads in the news that his high school girlfriend that he loved to pieces has died. Like she was straight up murdered. And he's like, oh my God, that sucks. And on his way to work, someone pushes him on the train tracks and he gets hit by a train. And he wakes up 12 years in the past. And then he quickly realizes that he can jump back and forth from the past to the future. And the things that he does in the past directly manipulate the future. So he starts going back to change things. But every time he comes back, one point he's back in the past for like two, three weeks and he jumps back and he's like in a hospital bed with an IV because he was in a coma for those two, three weeks. So time actually runs concurrently. So if it's May 1st, one year, it's May 1st in the past. So he has to be planning how he's doing things based on when he can and can go back. Cool. So it's a really cool show. And they actually do explain how the time travel aspect works near the end. And the that and the explanation is super satisfying, but they haven't got to that part in the show yet, so it's just crazy up until this point. Cool. What else is on your list? Uh, another one that I want to bring up, uh, actually, that you made me put on this list. It's not an anime, but it's a show people need to be watching. It's got dynamite voice talent, like just A plus television, A plus movie stars. It's a real fun what if Superman story, if you will. Uh, It's got Seth Rogen's production company on it. Really fun stuff. You know, the, the funny episodes remind me of something of Adult Swim, like Adventure Brothers. But then the serious stuff is some of the best hardcore sort of Seth MacFarlane comic book, if you will, kind of influences. Here's Superman's kid who didn't find out he had powers until he was like 19 years old. And we're seeing him make that transition. Great voice talent. Really fun. It's on Amazon. The second season of that is about to launch soon. There's a teaser episode that's up right there. If you have not seen the first season, go watch it. J.K. Simmons, dynamite on this show. To put it in perspective, so it's kind of, it is kind of, it has, it actually made by Robert Kirkman, the guy who did The Walking Dead. And just in the same sense of making The Walking Dead as kind of the anti-zombie zombie show kind of a thing. This is um, the anti-superhero superhero show. Right. <clears throat> so the first episode, the first volume of the book, you have essentially the Justice League, right? And you have separately from the Justice League is Omni-Man, which is this main character's dad. And he is Superman, essentially. But on the flip, which you're going to find out very quickly, so it's not so much a spoiler because the manga has been out for like 15 years. And the manga, the the comic has been out like 15 years. Um, This version of Superman was sent to Earth for the purpose of conquering it. So Omni-Man is pretending to be a good guy until his son comes of age and gets his powers and can assist him on global domination. And then he starts, he switch flips. He's like, I'm here to kill you all. And starts going nuts. And now the kid, Invincible, a.k.a. Mark Grayson, a.k.a. the voice of Stephen Yoon, the guy who played Glenn in The Walking Dead, now realizes that either he can join his dad and become a monster, or he can stand between his dad and the Earth. So it's a fantastic, fantastic show. It's dark as hell. Lots <laughs> of fun heroes, secret agents, otherworldly beings, supernatural yeah, beings, uh, aliens. Uh, a a not-so-subtle reference to Hellboy. As uh, the hell demon detective, detective yeah, is, demon detective, which is essentially Hellboy and the question mixed into one character, <laughs> which is so cool. He's Such great. a great character. Um, fantastic show. If you haven't watched it yet, just watch it. Um, another show that I got really sucked into, one of my honorable mentions, is called um, Heavenly Delusion. Um, it is known also as Tengoku Daimaiko on um, Hulu. It has two plot lines going simultaneously. One plot line is essentially like The Last of Us, where the world has fallen apart. Um, there's these 
these creatures called man eaters that are essentially like like a fish with 20 legs that eats people or like a giant bird that has like six heads and things like that like they're just like these mini kaiju that are flying around and attacking people um so the society has fallen apart you kind of and they're trying to travel to this place where they've called uh that they've heard rumors of this place called heaven right this this super society that has survived all of this and it's perfect this utopian place then the other timeline the other concurrent side of things is uh what's actually happening inside heaven it's like this uber school of like super kids essentially and you're watching these two plot lines go on throughout the whole season until they culminate and then you realize what exactly is happening and the show gets nuts um very dark show obvious tvma um not so much of nudity but some very questionable question uh questionable scenarios um it's on hulu it's a hulu original slash exclusive um the team behind it said that they they are going to take their time with it and they know they're going to take their time with it so the first season came out and they said don't expect the second season to come this year or even next year they're going to take their sweet time with it by the time they drop it and it is it's worth it because the animation is crisp the animation is gorgeous and it is it is dark and it is fun and it is thought-provoking and has a lot of stuff in there that makes you question the basic philosophical nature of good and evil and what you would do in order to survive so Ooh, fantastic show might be time for me to watch that show then that sounds like a really yeah, fun give it a go okay. really cool show and then lastly one thing that i always say it's not an anime but it's made by a korean studio my adventures with superman they're five <laughs> yeah. episodes in they're five episodes in and this show is a ton of fun um none of the characters are idiots lois lane has figured out that superman is superman very quickly and um i i just got to be honest like the having um the cast that they got was just it was super cool the show is clearly taking massive inspiration from anime because i mean i did that that reel the other day the superman transforming in the suit for the first time with the soup the sailor moon music that thing's sitting at like 1.2 million views thank you instagram for sending amazing there um but he did that that super real that super that's that sailor moon transformation one time and now it's just a normal suit it was just it was a fun little transition but having jack quaid do the voice of superman was a huge win and they have a korean actress by the name of alice lee doing the voice of lois lane and you kind of realize that lois lane is actually korean in the show like she's half cool. korean half american so they have a lot of fun stuff with that but she is a fun character um she's not an idiot but they're all um at the daily planet as interns trying to prove their worth so they can become actual reporters and Perry White has basically said, if you bring me a big enough story, I'll make you reporters. And her story is, I'm going to get you a story on Superman. Because he just showed up, and I'm going to do that. That's going to be what lands me an actual job. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll check it out. I love me a good and, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. And on that note, it's a, a show that actually drops on HBO Max. Uh, it's a Toonami show. So at midnight on Thursdays, it hits on Toonami. And then Friday morning... Less than 12 hours later, it's on HBO. So you can Very watch cool. it Saturday morning and be fine. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I can. I, yeah, that's that'll be my new Saturday morning with my uh, bucket of oats. Bucket of oats. All right. But on that note, we have given you guys uh, not only just 10 anime that we want you to watch, we had to do a few more afterwards because we thought we'd give you a few more to watch as well. But We um, gave you homework. Go do your homework. Go watch a bunch of good anime so you can come back here and talk with us all about it. If you want to hear us talk about it and you want to support us talking about it, head over to that patreon.com slash theculturednerd. Thank you to everyone that helps keep the lights on around here. We have a wonderful list of patrons. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for all the things that you do. Shout outs to your host, Taylor Murphy. I have been your co-host, Michael Santel. Intro by Taylor Murphy and Jay Stu. Thank you for all of your love. Jose Navarro, thank you for that logo. If you have those cell phones out, whip them out, take a picture, hit that thing, like, comment, and subscribe. It makes the algorithm like us more. Please help the algorithm like us more. And uh, we'll see all you kids and cats next time. Thank you again. Bye. Bye.